I want people to love and enjoy mining. I'm sick of the shit people affecting our industry and how it feels. And the reality of it is, mining gives a lot. Go and earn 100 grand a year and work half a year. I dare you to go find a job because you won't find one. And the reality of it, you did find one, you'd have to upskill yourself for four years. And then you'd be doing Monday to Friday office hours anyway, work for someone. Mining's great. If you want, you want to be home every night, start looking at your skill set to do something different or push yourself out of your comfort zone. I'll say, hey, if I you know, work next two years and I save enough money, that'll give me a, a time to take six months off working part-time to do this. Why don't you, you know, want residential because you've got a young family? Move to a place like Cobar or Moranbar. What's hell for a person? It's called isolation. They can put you in a cell and you talk to no one. Like we're in a world where you've got the flexibility to do whatever you want. Four billion people a day live on less than $5 a day. And here we are after whinging about $2 if someone's getting down the road more. Welcome to the Beers with a Miner podcast. My name is Mad Mumsy and I've been driving the huge dump trucks in Australian open cup mines for over 10 years now. I wish I had a dollar for everyone who said to me, How does a little thing like you drive those big trucks? Oh, you must be rich. How do I get a job doing that? My mining friends are asked these questions all the time too. This is what started the Mad Mumsy journey to share stories and tips from living a mining lifestyle and to let others know what it's really like. Tune in each episode as I sit down for a relaxed chat, usually over a few beers with a fellow miner. Women and blokes with various experience, roles and opinions share their lessons and stories with you. Not everyone is cut out to be a miner, but why not? What does it take to thrive and survive in this industry? Now, let's dig in. Get it? Dig? Mining? Oh, crack me up. Hello and welcome to episode 51 of Beers with a Miner podcast. In this happy hour episode, I sit down and have a chat with Peter Finn from Face Contracting. Face is a company that started out as a contractor and mining OHS consulting service, but has since expanded into both mining and labour hire services, helping businesses all around Australia. As if Peter Finn isn't busy enough. He also has a podcast called Full Production. This is a really great podcast talking to all sorts of miners. So if you enjoy mine, I'm sure you'll enjoy his. Make sure you search for Full Production in your favorite podcast app. I really enjoyed this chat. We covered a lot of different things and I hope that you enjoy it as much as I do. One weird thing after editing or during editing, I realized I kept calling him Peter. Peter this, Peter that. And of course, that's his name. But I now know since I'm in his community and I see him on Facebook doing lives and stuff. He's more known as Finney from Cobar. He owned a pub once and that's where the story begins. So let's dig in. I hope you enjoy this chat with Peter Finn from Full Production Podcast and Face Contracting. Welcome to the podcast, Peter. By the time this goes live, I have shared how freaking awesome you are in the intro for my listeners. I've been trying to think how we connected and I reckon it's through Ronsley Vass from um, Amplified and the founder of We Are Podcast. He says you're a legend and that you're doing great things in mining and that we needed to hook up. And finally, we've made this happen. So welcome to the podcast, Peter. 
Uh, thanks, Leanne. It's good to finally be here. And I'm really sorry about the cat and mouse. Um, as you said before, individually and, and having a, a mining company and, and a podcast and a young family and all the, all the, all the rest of the stuff that goes in, into life in general, I am pretty busy. And I, I'm feeling a bit silly by being on here because I actually had to run out to the fridge to try and look for a beer. I'm actually in my office in Perth at the moment. So I'm going to be the... Uh, modernised weird fucking miner, that guy that comes to the crib room and, and drinks water all the time or goes to the pub and orders a squash when technically I, I actually am a beer drinker and I'd love to have one right now, but I'm, here I am having a water. Next time I'll be better prepared. Yes, then um, I grew up with my dad saying, never trust anyone who won't have a drink with you. But that's uh, not a very good politically correct statement to make these days, I guess. So, <laughs> you know, uh, everyone yeah. has their right to have a drink or or not yeah i think it's a big thing too you know i grew up i actually owned a pub there for a while in Cobar, new south wales where i'm from originally but growing up in a mining culture you know we all work our days on and we drink our days off and, and don't get me wrong I, I did said fucking love a beer and i'd love one right now technically and that's why i made this that's why we made this four o'clock so i actually couldn't have my beer any earlier so i'm a bit, I'm a bit disappointed that um getting the chance to skate reality from a young little noisy family at home and have a schooner but um you know it's a it's a big thing one thing that i've looked after the last few years in my business and myself is my health and uh i think you know socialization having a beer is a big thing but also in moderation and in timely events and um you know, I'm sure. I'm sure there's plenty of listeners up here like fuck up, mate. I have a beer every afternoon, I, and I do too. Like I like to have a beer most afternoons, and um, I think we, we're slowly just got to be aware. It's good to have a beer, but it's also good not to have uh, twenty. Yes, yes, for sure. And on that note, Peter, what is your favourite beverage? It's something that I ask my podcast guests first up. Mate, I'm gonna. It is. It is beer. I'm uh, at the moment my favourite drop. I've been in Perth, and whenever I've got this habit, or whenever I go somewhere these days, whether it be Tasmania or Queensland or New South Wales, I find myself always trying to drink the local drop. So currently, I'm in Perth, and I'm trying to. I'm really enjoying a beer called the Little Creatures. Um, it's a bit of a bit of a hoppy, you know, hipster young person beer, but. Um, I, I, my taste buds are growing, you know, coming from New South Wales or, or East Side, it's either two is new or four is gold. Yeah, uh, I also, I, I, I always see their changing too. Like you go to the pubs now and they've got Great Northern and Iron Jack and, um, but I'm a bit of a traditional sometimes I like to go, oh, she's like Reshes. I don't know if you've heard of Reshes before. No. Um, Nah, you must be a New South Wales beer. It's actually not many places have it on tap anymore. It's a pretty dying breed. But, yeah, so beer, mate, don't mind the odd cup of tea either. Oh, the odd cup of tea. So you prefer tea over coffee? Mm, Not a coffee drinker at all. Oh, Uh, really? Yeah, yeah, no, just drink tea, tea, beer and water, mate. That's about my uh, recipe. It sounds like a good recipe. And um, do you ever have a wine with dinner or anything like that? No, no mate. Simple. I'm really simple. It's either beer, water, or a cup of tea. I think if you found me at a nightclub at 4am or 2am, you might find me with something silly like a Red Bull and vodka or a vodka and orange juice. <laughs> but usually I'm probably going to regret that for about two days. And you said you had a pub. I can't let you just let that one slide under the radar there. Uh, how do you go running a pub? Do you have to, you'd have to 
really be in control of your drink and doing that. You'd drink all the profits. <laughs> Have to control the natives, yeah. wouldn't you? The or the clients. Uh, yeah, <laughs> yeah. You know, um, yeah, I owned it in a mining town, so I don't own the pub anymore. So obviously, being a mining kid, which I'm sure we'll get into that story shortly. Yep. I um, just like everybody else in the mining game, we you know we always look over the fence and think it's greener on the other side. And um, you know, I think in my mindset and the way I grew up, you know, we work our days on and drink our days off. And ultimately it come down to, I thought a good idea, a pub lease come up and it was pretty run down and it used to be a really good pub back in the day. I read by a really good publican. So I thought I'd take the opportunity to meet a mate sitting around having a beer and a feed who I was living at the time and thought, fuck, what a great idea. Let's go and buy a pub. <laughs> and, um, we brought, pub. <laughs> yeah. And we, and we brought, it was called the Occidental Hotel in Cobar. And uh, we brought the pub, me and Benny McManus. It was, it, you know what? It was. It, now I reflect on it, it was like the best and the worst mistake all rolled into one. <laughs> but ultimately, um, you know, it was a mining pub and, and uh, sometimes the police didn't have many uh, better things to do besides uh, probably a, a give, give a publican who's trying to have a go a hard time, which is a good lesson. Um, and drunk people are hard to deal with, mate, you know, like you really test your emotional intelligence level. I think I've... He, he bounced him, mate, said he'd never knocked out a sober miner yet. You know, they're all good blokes sober. And then you give them a bunch full of piss and, and they turn into, you know, some turn into dickheads and wreck everybody else. So yeah, there was a lot of um, a lot of learning that went on when I had the pub. But you're right, I um, did have some really good times as well, mate. Met some really good characters. Um, you do have to be careful um, um, drinking a bit of alcohol because it's not you know you run into a good person no different than something someone like you and it's you know the whole reason why i wanted to get in the pub because naturally i'm a very social person as well so um i found originally i found an avenue to probably network a lot as well locally but the, another reason why i brought the um the pub at the time was because i was trying to start my um, face off properly down the down the labor hire mining contracting scene and then the big reason why i wanted the pub was i wanted the uh the rooms that went with it so i could house workers and obviously not only do i house workers i had a kitchen there and, and they can probably come and spend their pay uh, mm-hmm. over the bar as well oh so there was a little bit of um a, a back idea on just the, let's have a beer and uh, let's buy a pub moment. It, you, did you already have the business or let's talk about? Uh, yeah. Yeah. So I already had, I already had face. Um, I was already working as a consultant at the time. Um, doing a variety of things of safety and training consultancy, um, uh, supervisory, um, risk assessments, training, a lot of that practical side of things, uh, especially in the underground metal environment. I have had a variety of background experience in underground coal, some surface operations, some processing plants, um, but predominantly um, I, I've done a lot of, I'm from Cobar, so it's an underground metal um, town, but I believe you're in Mackay or Queensland way, is that right, Leanne? Yeah, yeah, that's right. And uh, my listeners are waiting for it. Um, so that means you're a real miner. If you're underground, uh, yeah. Well, so it's it's funny. I I wouldn't say a real miner. I think we're all uh, different different uh, spotted dogs, mate. Uh, <laughs> um, I think that uh, well, I have spent some time in Mackay, and what I talk about in the car. I don't cut a decline in, in the Newcastle Hunter Valley area, and I lived in Imeo, um in Mackay there, but down down the road from the pub, and I worked out in. Um, Oh, Thierry. I think I actually got a bit of a touch-up Thierry one night by a Mary fella. Um, I also worked in Moorumbah. Um, 
the grass tree. Oh, gee, you're pushing the uh, pushing the memory. But good times and good people up in the underground coal. I really enjoyed it. Probably didn't do enough surface coal just in my career in general. Um, not to say that the door's closed on that. I'm still pretty young. But I am, um, you know, Miners are minor, mate. Whether you're open cut, underground coal, or hard rock, everyone's uh, everyone's different. If we're all the same, would be weird, wouldn't we? We would for sure. And I always yeah. say it because my partner is underground miner. He's a fitter, and I'm yep. open cut. And he calls himself a real miner. I did a whole episode. <laughs> about that. I'll leave a link in the show notes, and the show notes for this episode will be found at madmumsy.com forward slash beers fifty one, the number five one, and yeah, go back and have a listen to that because he really thinks that, that no, that's real mining. We are gravel scratchers and landscape. Uh, I interviewed um, two other underground um, miners who came across to our site in the open cut when they shut the coal mine, the underground. And I interviewed them and we talked about the differences and, you know, stuff like that. And they called themselves landscape gardeners. Because they just kept moving dirt around. And <laughs> it's so funny. Yeah, big difference. Oh, a bit of daylight never hurt no one, mate. I um, I think if I if I had to go back operating or on the practical mining side again, I probably would look for a surface operation. But that's only my um personal um personal probably personal desire to probably get more open cut experience. Yeah. So uh, a lot of what you said you did initially was uh. OH&S, safety, training, stuff like that. Is that right? Yeah, supervisory sort of roles, yep. So I obviously come from a practical background. So you're a safety weirdo? Uh, yeah, you know, it was funny. It was funny. It was funny if you want to talk about the safety weirdos, I can go right into this because I know this demographic well. So, you know what? It... I'll just interrupt first. Uh, the hard hat mentor, my sister, um, she is always going on about hashtag safety weirdos because in a, such an endearing term, because that's what she is with a passion. Absolutely. That's her passion and lots of reasons why. And the other reason is because I'm going to open another can of beer. Very important topics. mate. I know. And you know, it's, it is a half past six over here. So I'm allowed to have another one. (laughs) Sorry. I'm rubbing it in Peter. Here we go. Favorite sound in the world. (laughs) <laughs> Making me thirsty. Um, so um, back on the topic of safety people, yeah. So how I ended up going down the safety avenue, it's a bit of a weird one. It was actually more of a training avenue of anything, um, was the fact that I had a practical background. I'd been mining since I was probably, what, 16. So, you know, I come from a pretty in-depth background. It's underground when I was 18. That's that sort of environment I grew up in in Cobar. Like you work in a mining community, you know, working in the mines. And uh, ended up becoming a trainer and assessor, I think was the first qualification. And then that led into more. And what happened was I actually found myself in a few safety training roles. And, you know, safety guys necessarily get branded as a policeman or, or, or like your sister said, a, a can be a bit of a weirdo or, you know, they walk into the room and, and some of the blokes you can tell are like, fuck, what the, what's this fucking bloke on about? Or, you know, he's unrelatable, you know, and they, they try and, I don't know whether they're trying too hard or not, but one thing, I went into the role and I had a lot of them guys around me that were superior to me and what I'd find is, is um, 
I was very practical, I was very relatable, and then all of a sudden I found that everyone was coming to me when they had a safety issue or a training issue or, you know, being the practical side of things but not understanding the training concept, how the machine worked. But, and I'd jump on and operate it and be the physical side of things as well. For the sheer fact is that it was relatable to the guys. You know, some guys would spin out there, what's this guy doing down here? you know, throwing bolts for a jumbo or jumping on a draw rig or whatever it might have been at the time. And um, and and then what, what I found was that I wasn't enjoying the guys that were superior to me that were safety managers and they were unrelatable to the workforce and they were always coming to me with questions and it made me unenjoy my workplace and um, so I sort of said to the missus, I was like, you know what, fuck this. I just, I'm going to have to go back operating or do something different. And I was starting to look down different avenues and she goes, oh, you know, obviously you're really good at your job of safety and training and, and um, you know, I could probably do a bit of supervisory role. I probably was keen to go down that avenue of being in control of environments and influencing people. Um, as you can probably tell by this podcast, I'm a good talker. It's one of my strengths. So I um, said, I said, you know what, you know, I'll start an ABN number and I'll do up a little flyer. Literally, I done an ABM up, uh, ABN number up. My wife's a business banker for the NAB, so she, you know, she's pretty savvy behind me. Now I did have similar ambitions for face and what I wanted to achieve, but I didn't. I had no idea what I was going to be or how I was going to get there at the time. So I started my own company, and it was called Face Mining Services. Um, and I started. I had ambitions to do labour hire and a few other things. So as I started, I. Um, how can I explain this? I um, went out there and I put my flyer out. Literally the first, I, the reason why I put my flyer out there was if I was going to be a safety tosser, as I like to call it, or what, a safety person or however you want to perceive this, I was going to do it, I was going to have to get paid for it. Like I was going to have to get paid the right money to be, you know, I'll, I'll show you the best safety person there is from a relatability point of view, a practicality point of view, a compliance point of view. And a lot of it just come down to attitude and relatability because that's what got the most out of the guys anyway. Look, shit still went wrong, don't get me wrong, but at the end of the day, it's how you respond to it and the attitude you carry into it. So I, um, I then um, put it out there and I put a raid out there and a flyer and literally sent it to one company who was out in my hometown of Cobar, McMahon's. Actually, a bloke, a really good bloke, actually, um, Grant Brickman. He's actually over in Perth at the moment. I just got him back on Facebook and he just emailed back and had a bit of a chat and he said, when can you start? And I'm like, oh, that was maybe a bit easier than I first thought. And literally, I, I should have, I, I need to say thanks to Grant for that because now, now I think of it, I'll, I will reach out to him because... That was the starting point for FACE and um, I started off on a, on a shaft sink project and then from there the company sort of blossomed and grew. And that's, that's me safety That's me safety and training experience. That's how FACE sort of started. Um, unnecessarily, it just, it just evolved out of being a safety squeezer, really, and then it just grew into a, a mining contracting company. And as as I, I wasn't, I didn't re, like. I enjoyed safety and training, but it was not necessarily a passion. I think I think now as I've evolved, I add a lot more value around you know mining contracting labour hire. I've just started to buy some equipment. Um, you know, I've started to expand my um, my knowledge and skill set to things that I do enjoy and want to achieve. Wow, you're such a go-getter! How just like Ronsley said, you're taking over the world. <laughs> what um, <laughs> in in the best possible way? What? How old <laughs> not, are you? Not, not, not in the Donald Trump way. No, I wasn't going to say that. <laughs> <laughs> um, how old are you, Peter? My I'm only young, mate. Thirty-three. Thirty-three. Um, no shit. Yeah, so 30, 34 next year. Yeah, and married, couple of kids. Mm-hmm. 
Yeah. Yeah, so I'm off the market, ladies. Um, I'm um, <laughs> uh, 33, uh, two kids. Um, they're four months old and, and 21 months old and, and a lovely wife, mate, that keeps me very um, straight and narrow and, and, and probably in tune with who I am and what's important in life as well. Wow. Um, because I remember when I was overseeing my sister and we nearly got to catch up over in WA in person um, and you were on the way over, but the kids got sick. So um, we called it off at that time. And now we've yeah, yeah. So, so, so I've been living in New Zealand the last few years and I probably will be based. I've got a couple of clients over there in the mining environment, one called Oceana, uh, another uh, couple of construction companies there that I do some work for as well. Um, but predominantly um, we've been living over there. We come over to start an office up in Perth. Uh, we, we just opened up one in um, in, in Brisbane there and we've got one in Dubbo and Cobo and New South Wales. So we're sort of on the expansion, obviously the mining's going good at the moment. So we're trying to, I think the big thing at the moment, everybody can relate to this, a lot of these companies, and I'm not going to name names, but like they can win work, but they can't deliver. You just feel like a number to them. So, you know, I guess for us, it's coming over and setting it up and doing it right. So this is a bit of a scouting session. We're checking out WA. It's got a lot of my skill set, a lot of people that are quite similar. As, as I probably talk about later on this podcast, a lot of it comes down to relationships. So I'm keen to develop some relationships, but it's obviously got to be the, got to work both ways as well. You know, you're, nothing worse when you're trying to talk with someone and, and they just don't give a fuck or they're not interested in talking back. It's like, well, you know what, if, you, if you've got enough friends to do it, I'm cool. I'll keep on moving too and just <laughs> keep on moving around. Do you find someone that's genuine and, you know, it's not what you do, it's who you do it for. And, that is so true well, on the relation, the relationships part. And, um, especially here in Queensland at the moment, it's there's, we even had an inquiry into it, the labor hire inquiry, because there's so much contracting over, um, permanent jobs now. And as the workforce, we see that as really threatening because labor hire, you don't with a lot of them, although that is beginning to change. You don't get holidays, you don't get sickies, there's just a lot of big companies just are not putting on permanence or a shirt as it's called at all. And some of the labor hire companies, contractors, they just, you know, the, you are a number, you feel like a number to them. And yeah. there's no, there's no uh, relationship, I guess. <laughs> there's no communication between the mind site and then the, um, the, between the mine site, the worker, and who the worker is working for, the labour hire. You know, it's like yep. you talk to them, no, you talk to them. Well, you know, I'm just the guy in the middle. It's just not working. And some of them are doing better than others. Um, they just made them all be licensed over here. They weren't even licensed. Just just got me Queensland licence, mate, just recently. Yay! Um, I've heard yeah. it's a mission to get. Um, yeah, I can't. I, I, truthfully, I didn't do it. Um, one of the operations guys did. <laughs> yeah. um, but I, I don't know. I, have I, I remember people. some I have people. I, <laughs> I approved the bill. Uh, I remember mm. seeing the bill. But yeah, so it's funny. This, this is where I've had great success is treating people like people. And you, you treat people like a number, you'll get a number. I think you would have heard that in episode 12 of Full Production, which is the episode that, that I'm on with my mate Robbo. Now, yeah. now but human, humans have got two feelings, okay? They've got certainty and uncertainty. And there's no in-between. You can't be 50-50 on being certain or uncertain because it means you're uncertain. It's and, like, I'm, I'm, sorry, a little interrupter here. It's like you yeah. can't be a little bit pregnant. 
<laughs> as the hard hat mentor says all the time <laughs> <laughs> yeah no 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 it's true um so um <laughs> ultimately ultimately um uh that's what happens is these big companies like Workpack and one key and you know they're, they're, a lot of sometimes the people that are trying to employ miners aren't miners themselves they've got a lovely hr qualification and probably really smart and nice people but the reality often is the practicality of ringing up a miner and saying hey leanne i've got a surface truck driver job going you know these triple seven trucks the culture's really good the shift boss is a good guy and you'll probably think to yourself you probably ask the question oh hey mate what what, what experience um mining do you have oh i'm just a hr person and it's like well fuck how are you meant to tell me that the culture's good when the reality often is you, you've never worked there, you wouldn't even know the shift boss's mind, no, name. You know, so the reality often is, um, well, I'm not saying that's the case for these companies. I've got no idea how the, how the fuck they do things. I just do things my way. Mm. And I think it's really big to understand the people that you're employing and what they want. And look, if, if, if you know, if they are doing, like, you know, a lot of minds are looking at separating their risk, you know, they instead of employing people full time and giving them a shirt, so to speak, or they're um, putting them at arm's reach by having a, a contractor or a, um, a, 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 I guess, how can you explain this, a transactional setup where they pay you and, and then vice versa. And the reason why they, that they're doing that as well, and it doesn't really matter if they do it or don't do it. And I tell you why is because if the mining goes to fucking shit, it goes to shit. So if you've got a full time job with Glencore and you've got a full time job with Face, uh, you know, well, Face might go first, so be it. And I know who's going second. Like it doesn't matter. Like you know, at the end of the day, um, the mining's a wage and they're cycles, and it's about making. There's a financial education is probably another topic we can run down here, but you know, you got to be able to you know look up. Money makes good money, so we've got to try and make the money to be able to live a life that suits us. And and, and obviously, mining can be tough, you know. If you let the shit people affect how you feel, then you let the shit people win. So it's really key for these guys in the mining environment, especially for guys like me, to understand, like, you're right, we're going to this mine, let's say a BMA mine or let's go North Gonella or wherever. You can name a lot of places up there and say, right, I... The deputy's this guy. The underman's this guy. This is how the rosters work. You know, oh, he's a good bloke. Oh, he's a bit grumpy. But he, actually, if you do your job and say get aid from him again, he's all right. And it just sort of paints a picture for him. You know, the big reason why I got the podcast going is chuck the mic in front of him, mate. Don't tell him. Don't sit there and think you're fucking awesome. Tell him. And you'd be surprised how many of them aren't willing to jump on the podcast and sound like a dickhead. You know, they, uh, you want to sound, you want to jump on a podcast and sound like a good bloke and genuine. No different to me. Um, yeah. You know, and at the end of the day, it's the same thing. I'm trying to paint a picture. And go, hey, Leanne, cool. This is episode number twelve. Full production. Have a listen. You listen to it. You listen to it, haven't you? And you go, oh fuck that Peter Finn guy. He's a he's a he's a champion. He's saying something that I want to hear. I go, cool. The job I'm thinking for you, Leanne, is with you know. Um, Benny Hewlett and you know Benny Hewlett's the, the you know production superintendent or whatever and I say he's the podcast on him and you'll be like fuck that Ben seems like a pretty good fellow too oh, that's how he operates so you've already got this perception of what you're going into mm. but you know ultimately ultimately how much how much uh, effort do miners want to actually go into in finding out what their workplaces are like unfortunately the, the, the other scale of that is people are so shallowly driven these days where I'll say oh hey, I'll offer you $3 more, and they fucking go like that. And it's sort of like, well, you know, if it, what happens when you, I offer you $3 more and someone else offers you another $2 more? Are you just going to go like that again? And you end up playing the number game. What's the point? That's right, and I've done an episode on that 
I'm pretty sure it's an audio blog. I'll leave a link in the show notes. I know I at least did an article for Shift Miner on it, and it was about the is the grass really greener? And, um, you know, at that time, a lot of people were hopping from site to site. I know people that did it for a dollar. And then they <laughs> left, like one dollar. And they left and kept messaging me about, and because I was working with them. Um, oh, I'm actually driving further and we're spending more time on the bus and the camp shit and this and that. And that's what planted the Mad Mumsy seed of, well, this is happening a lot. Let's talk about it because um, it's not all about money. It's about the people that you're working with. It's the accommodation. It's the travel. There's so much more to it. And I I, uh, shared that content to try and get people to think about it from that um, line as well, not just money. Yeah, oh, look, it's, it's a topic of, and this is what I talk about the podcast, the podcast is about, like, and yours is probably over a different to mine, you know, it's a, there's a variety of topics we can talk about within mining in general. And, um, you know, people are living life too shallowly. Like, you know, if you haven't got your uh, physical health, mental health, emotional health, you've got nothing, mate. You know, the only thing you take out of life is the relationships you have in it. And I'll just give you an example. You know, how many people do we know should be sitting here having a beer with us today? You know, how many people do we know that um, would give anything not to be six foot under? You know, and this, this is life. This is dead set. This is it. You live from zero to when. When, when is the big fellow upstairs tapping you on the shoulder and saying, that's it? And when I talk about the only thing you take out of life is relationships, it's not the $1 or $2 more that you might fucking earn down the road. Like, that's just shallow, you know. I think that the the big difference is you sit back on life and you say if you worked at a place for 10 years ago, remember I interviewed that fucking face mining guy, Peter Finn? Wasn't he a great bloke? And then that's what you'll think about, you know. But unfortunately... Unfortunately, as human psychologists, well, you'll probably think about the dickheads because unfortunately, we let the dickheads affect how we feel. And you sit back and instead of going, oh, hey, how about Leanne Andrew? She's a nice lady. You'll sit there and think about, oh, what about Joe Blow? Wasn't he a fucking tosser? And then the reality of it is like, why are we thinking about that tosser? There's all these other good people we met. So, you know, this is why it's key for people that are in control of people's work environments, like shift supervisors, um, you know, superintendents, that they create the environment, they bring the best out of workers. Yeah, and a big a big thing I've noticed, like you say, about when, when we all get together and especially when you meet up with someone that you worked with on one site and, you know, and then they've moved or you moved or, or they know someone or I know someone who worked there, did you know them? And and you, you just, it's a big bloody massive gossip session half the time and, and but it's a flashback and it's it's who your family was at the time because, as you know, when you when you're on site and you're working and that, you you do become a big family and we don't all get on and you don't like each other or everybody, but you know, you still all get on. And the thing I shared with that, um, is the grass really greener also was that you might leave one site because of a dickhead boss or someone at, that you didn't like, or perhaps you felt intimidated or bullied or all, you know, so many different scenarios. And then you go to a new site and they follow you. And I have seen that happen time and time again. And people oh, go, oh, oh, he's running the show. I'm not fucking going there. He already sacked me once. 
<laughs> yeah, I mean, it's, it's funny, you know, I could talk about this pretty in-depthly. You spend, you spend, you know, you know you should choose what you do for work before who you choose to marry. You know, at the end of the day, you spend mm. six, you know, and, and then I say to people, but mining's got a lot to offer. You know, where else can you earn really good money and work half a year? So is that pros and cons of setting their goals and their ambitions that we can break down later on the podcast about what people can what people can do to achieve more and get more done. Now, you know, and the same thing about workplaces of people leaving, if you're going to walk into a pub, no matter what pub you walk into, there's a good chance you're going to run into a dickhead. So if you go to another mine site, there's a good chance you're going to run into another dickhead. Dickheads are everywhere. And as soon as you let them affect how you feel in the top two inches, mate, you're done. And that's something that um, I've heard from, I think, probably my stepdad a lot, um, Mad Baz. He's been on the episode a couple of times. He uh, he says, how does he put it? Uh, different circus, same clowns. Yeah, so, fair enough, yeah. <laughs> you know, and I've heard that from other people as well, but and I've said it a lot because, you know, the – there might be different trucks. It might be in a different place. It might be a couple, a different company, but you're still going to have the way that I tend to say it is there's the cousin you don't like the brother who's a kid, the, you know, the, the one who drinks too much, the one who's sleeping around, um, the really nice person who's trying to always look after everybody, you know, the Nana, the, you know, it, the, the culture usually ends up the same in most crews that I've been on. It's yeah. just a matter of how everyone yeah. deals with it. Oh, I no, no, I think the leader, the shift boss has something to do with it. Mm. Like the person that creates the environment is the leader. You know? And that, that's like, I, I can relate because I run my own business. And, you know, I try and lead by example, and probably hence why I'm here having a fuck of water. But, you know, I try to look after my health. I try to present myself well. I try to speak in a positive, you know, tone and language and lead by example. You can't make people change. You can only lead by example and they'll follow. Mm. Um, and at the end of the day, if, if you're being the best version of yourself in all areas of life, then, you know and you're happy and content with who you are then you know that's that's a given but you know it's it's a it's a big thing mate that, that shift bosses the people that your superintendents whoever you you know having have whoever create their environments are key to you know what they get out of them you know if you've got a good shift boss or a good supervisor and that person is going to um you know, improve productivity. There's going to be limited absenteeism. There's going to be um, limited turnover. You know, people are going to go an extra mile. I think I said at the start of the podcast, it's not what you do, it's who you do it for. If you've got a dickhead shift boss, there's a good chance you're probably going to have an hour and a half for fucking lunch. But if there's a good shift boss and he knows, you, you know he needs to get the tons out or whatever, mm. uh, you'll have 45 minutes and cruise down the truck again. Like, Yeah, yeah. Yeah, that's right. And... um and also along those lines is that respect is earned, not, uh, how do they put it, demanded. You know, some some shift bosses, especially the higher up the chain you go, their, their power and authority is supposed to, you know, scare you into doing everything right, especially with their language. And other ones, then they, they have a good balance. The best ones I've had, had have had have a good balance between um, being nice and lighthearted and having a chat, but still getting the message across whilst also not being everyone's best friend and not necessarily going out and getting on the piss with everyone and, and stuff. Cause everything always happens then. 
you know, how many people get sacked at Christmas parties in any industry. <laughs> you hear that all the time. But they've been the best ones that I've had where they've earned my respect by just the way they are. And you know the pressure they're under from above. They're pressured from b- below or from us, you know, the troops on the ground. And they, I just, um, just before I left one mine, he, my supervisor, there was only, we only had internet in the crib hut because we were allowed to have phones there, but only um, at crib time or if you were around the crib hut. And so everyone was in his office, because, you know, checking the footy scores or whatever. And I walked in and he, he said to me, Leanne, you need to get me on the podcast. You know, this being a supervisor, I have to be a psychologist, a, um, uh, what do you do when the husband and wife aren't getting on? They go and do marriage, marriage counsellor. Yeah, all of the, and he sprouted off all of these different things. And I said, all right, come on the podcast. He said, yeah, no, I'm only joking. But, you know, just letting you into my world. He said, look at all these people in here. I'm supposed to be doing all these reports. And, yeah, and he is the best supervisor I've ever had, for sure. Yeah, and they're the ones that you want. And, you know, you've got the guys up above too. And we need to be conscious that the guys up above have a lot on their plate as well. And this is what I look for when I go to service companies. You know, I look at people that are actually willing to, you know, go the extra mile for their people and do things differently. Um, hence why I've started a podcast of trying to influence the market to say, like, I actually want to know what the camp's like, what the workplace is like, what the management's like, because that's key for me to say, hey, Leanne, this, this place is a good place to work, whether it fits you or doesn't fit you. But at the end of the day, you know, trying to paint the best picture possible people to go into it. And then, and then supervisors, like you just spoke about before, mates, you know, they're key. You know, personality is half the battle. Mm. And if um, that's the, you've got to carry a positive, proactive attitude into life in general, not just work. Yeah, totally agree. Well, man, we we so alike. We both like to talk too, which is good. (laughs) Now, you touched before on a couple of things that you wanted to talk about um, or that we might get to, which I thought were, were good. And it was financial education and achieve more and get done. So, can we have a chat about that? Yeah, financial education. Let's get into it. Like, so I've had a guy on the podcast from Finn West Financials. Gee, I can't think of his name at the top of my head. It slipped me. Um, Would it be your like, brother or something? No, no. No, actually, it's funny. He's actually not related at all. Mm. I think I had to mention that at the intro of the podcast. <laughs> yeah, I can't think of his name. I, I'm guarded because he's a really good bloke. But anyway, I had him on the podcast. He's actually a really influential guy. Actually, when I met him, I didn't know. He'd come into the meeting. He was in a wheelchair. So it's sort of like, you know, when you meet someone in a wheelchair is sort of like, oh, you know, shit. Interesting story around how he had a, an accident and, and luckily enough his boss at the time when he was doing his apprenticeship was a pastor, it made him get all these insurances and that insurance has set him up to be a, a better person because of it. And I'll, I will think of the guy's name and I'll, I'll flick it through to you. But, you know, I, I grew up in, a, so this is my own personal upbringing, I grew up really poor. Um, I grew up with um, six sisters and and, um, and me, so there's seven kids. Oh, um, true. Holy. You think I you, you think I'd have some idea how you females work? I got absolutely nothing. Um, you know, yeah. men men are, men are really simple: food, sex, and a bit of beer, and we're fucking completed, mate. We're done. <laughs> and um, ultimately, um, 
ultimately growing up that way, I wasn't real poor. Like I wasn't like fucking on the bones of my ass sort of stuff. But mum and dad were, but dad was a kangaroo shooter, uh, done a bit of electrical work as well. And mum was a cleaner. And obviously having a big family like that, it, you know, it's, it's big, you know, it's a big dynamic um, beast. And probably had a few avenues in life that I could have took. And I was very lucky. I was, I was, I was uh, uh, a very average or half okay rugby league player, which got me a job in the mines, and then that led into um, you know me coming from not much to being 18 years of age or 17 years of age or whatever I was when I first left school, working in the mines, earning 80 grand a year, and wow. um, you know playing football, and then you know that developed a few social issues around you know um, you know drinking a lot and working and you know learning life in general so you know to be 18 or 17 and you know earning 80 grand plus a year i've never earned anything less than that and then that just grew into more where i could learn earning more and then you know buying cars and traveling and literally not being resourceful with my money and um you know it wasn't until i met my wife rachel was a business banker and probably just just as i started to meet her i really started to think of about like shit on being really unresourceful you know especially when you start thinking now i think pretty deep these days i think you know four billion people a day live on less than five dollars a day you know mm. me and you probably spent that in business conversation now um i started to really you know delve down how many other people in the mining game as i as i evolved and Rachel being a business banker, you know, she really put me back on track financially. And technically, <coughs> I just didn't want to worry about money. All I wanted to do was do what I do and I enjoy it. I'm at a situation now where, yeah, I look at my money and I try to work out how I can uh, influence the market and attack it better and make it make our, our mining environment better. So the whole reason why I started the podcast and, and stuck to mining, I had a few opportunities to walk away from mining. Um, the reason why I stuck to mining was... A little while ago, probably about two years ago, I was just like, mining shit, you know, there's fucking dickheads. I was just, just letting everyone affect me. And I, I done a lot of work on myself. I probably I probably pumped like a half million dollars plus on myself in self-development. Um, you know, you got to remember, I'm no different to any other mining kid out there. I just grew up in a mining town and I went on this journey. And um, I started to think um, about what who, who I can impact and who I can influence. And it come down to, if I was going to sit in a room and, and talk to a bunch of lawyers, I'm probably not going to be that impactful to them. But if you put me in a room full of miners or give me the audience of the miners, I could probably talk um, mining all the time. And I'd love to talk rugby league all the time too, but no one's probably going to listen to some Cobo rooster talk rugby league. So ah, I um, probably enough of them already. <laughs> yeah, there is plenty, plenty of um, hot air about rugby league, especially in Queensland and New South Wales. Over Hell here, yeah. you find uh, AFL, but and um, in New Zealand, you find rugby union. So I get a fair variety of sport in my life. But I um, back on the financial education, that was the Rachel. Um, you know, was a business banker, put us in a pretty good spot, and. Um, Episode number 12 of full production goes down that story a lot more. And I started to really realize when the downturn came, the first GFC hit, like I didn't have a house, I didn't have kids. And I thought to myself, like, you know, I went through a breakup before Rachel, my wife, now. And I was like, fuck, thank God I didn't have a house and a kid and a car to her and all this other shit. Because I've got other mates that did, and it was always so messy. You know, how many messy situations have we had, not just emotionally, but financially? And, and I started thinking about all my mates that earned good money in the good times, and they would jump and jump the job for ten dollars more or three dollars more. We just spoke about, but they weren't resourceful. They had the Malu Ute, they had everything else ticked up. 
And then all of a sudden the downturn came. They were all like, shit, you know. And um, a lot of people, you know, that put a lot of strain on their marriages and relationships and their life in general, let alone all the toys they had. And then they couldn't sell it because who are they going to sell it to? And everyone else in the same situation. Yeah. And and, and the reality of it was, um, I think financial education, you know, I talk to guys now about it. It's something that I want to do some more work on around trying to educate guys to go see a financial advisor, go and fucking sell the Maluyu, go and sell whatever that's not necessary and make the most of the good times and, you know, try and, you know, set yourself up better. And and, and also try and understand money is not the main motivator here. Yeah, it's very key, but enjoying life is just as important. Having a healthy, good relationship with your wife, being present when you're with your kids, not on Facebook or Instagram or sitting around, not being present. Uh, looking after your health because this is your ship. You know, you've got to look after your health mentally, physically, emotionally to try and be the best version of yourself and, and live a, a very fulfilling life. And you talk about fulfilment, that's what we all chase, you know, where the reality of it is um, you walk an old lady across the road, you can't put a price on that. And that's what we chase. We all chase that giving feeling. And, and ultimately, that's what I am. I was, um, I'm trying to chase fulfillment. So the more I can get, more money I can earn beauty because it means the more I can give and help our demographic, whether it's financial education, whether it's, um, you know, I've got a lady coming on soon called uh, Clarissa. She's going to be, she's called the Happy Divorce Lawyer. She specialises in divorces. Like I'm wow. trying to, there's so many topics from operational to outside the industry, suicide, depression. You know, I'm sure you can relate to topics. I just had the Kalgoorlie Mayor on. Um, um, full production, you know, and some of the conversations me and him had, you know, being in, you know, Kalgoorlie and Cobar are quite similar sort of demographics, you know, it's a, you know, it's, it's a rabbit hole after rabbit hole, but I just think that, you know, the mining's good, you need to make the most of your money and, and upskill yourself, I think upskilling's a big thing and that probably goes into another avenue of training, but, you know, not only looking after the money you got, making your money work for you so you can have a lot more certainty about your life moving forward. Um, and then obviously on the back of that, do some upskilling, do some training, take it, take it, take one week off. You do week on week off, you take one week off, you get three weeks off. Go do a course for three weeks. Go and sit your trainer and set a ticket. I got a mate the other day, Ray Dolan, went and done his real estate ticket. You know, now he's got a ticket to get out of the industry. He actually enjoys the industry more. He knows he's got a ticket out. You know, start to look, don't put all your eggs in the one basket. Uh, and you get that's a pretty it's a pretty strong topic I get it and we could probably talk about it for half an hour or so but it's something that I can't reiterate enough that um, if you're not happy what are you doing I'm not saying you're being unhappy in your job right now and you just fucking quit that's not smart not make a plan sit down and write I'll tell you one exercise one exercise me and my wife do as I sit down I write down how I see my life for the next two years and she, or five years and she'll do the same and sometimes, you know, it'll take an hour writing down, you know, literally no distractions, no phones, just writing. And then you swap it over. And I look at hers and she looks at mine. And all that does is, you know, she'll go to me. She's like, I didn't know you wanted to coach a, a rugby union side or a rugby league side. And, and you know, what, what did I do last year? I went and coached a year before, coached a rugby union side in New Zealand. Just for the sake that it's off the bucket list, you know. Um, I mean, and sometimes it's things that you don't agree on, but what you do is you have a conversation to get some clarity about moving forward. That's just one simple exercise, you know, around, you know, financial targets. You know, how do you see your life? What do you want to do? Now for a word from our sponsor, Julia Hartman and the Bantax Accounting Group. Julia's my awesome accountant. She's written two books with financial expert Noel Whitaker 
and she's got a passion to help us miners make the most out of our hard-earned cash. She's got heaps of tips and make sure that we get every cent we are meant to get and is right on the ball with everything. If you head to bantax.com.au forward slash miners, that's B-A-N-T-A-C-S, you can download a free booklet all just for us miners. And there's also a spreadsheet in there that helps you check off what tools you have for your trade, like your isolation lock, work boots, seven shirts, all of these sorts of things. And you can weigh them up and it'll tell you if you qualify weight-wise to claim your trips out to work. And that's just one of the things that they've got over there. So I strongly urge you to head to bantax.com.au forward slash miners and see what they can do and find your nearest office as we come up to tax time. They're really on the ball, know what's going on with the tax department and there's heaps of other free information like property investing. If you really plan on doing some great things with your money, you want to do that, right? If you want to sell your house, can save a lot of money if you find out what to do first rather than in hindsight. And Julia, she'll, you know, make sure you get it right. And if you do it wrong and then go and see her, she'll she'll up you in the nicest possible way because she really cares about us and wants us to keep our money and not give it to the tax department. Anyway, head over to bantax.com.au forward slash miners and tell them Mad Mumsy sent you. I I really think um, you're talking about an I call it an escape plan, you know, plan B or whatever, because either mining downturn or you get to a point where you know what I just I'd rather just be home every night. I'm a little bit over the driving out, and you know we all have different seasons of life as well, and yeah. um, situations change and things do change. But I have I remember we had a it was a social club um, carton party pretty much <laughs> out, of, yeah. out at work and they gave out awards and everything. So we used to have it every three months. So, you know, who'd, who'd done the silliest something or other and they, the, the guy who organised it made a little trophy and we all, um, any cartons that you owed, you'd cough up and, and everything. And that night, and I didn't have my microphone and I told him I wasn't going to record it, but I just went around and asked everyone there and we'd all had a few I said who's got a plan b to do something else and there were only two out of probably at least 20 that I asked that had even contemplated doing anything else and those two blew me away with what they're already doing you know just one was a had was starting a trucking company another one wanted to had looked into getting a um a mud crabbing a uh, cruising boat going in the rivers around here and take the tourists out. And we had a conversation for a bit because I'm a bit of an entrepreneur, you know. We had this whole full-on conversation about how he could make that happen. And this is my thing. If you are at work, especially in the open cart, you're driving up and down ramps if you're a truckie or, you know, you get you get a lot of time to think. And so I try to say, think, you know, use that time. Listen to podcasts. <laughs> stick your USB stick in, learn things, do, or even if it's right, there's so much time out there to do something that um, can help you move forward in your life. And also like you say about upskilling, 
even staying within the industry because there are a lot of people that love it and stay in it forever. We all go, a lot of us go on about how bad it is, but there's also yeah. a lot of people who fucking love it. So, so I'm, I'm a fucking lover, and I'm gonna, now, now I'm going to go down, down down the lover trap train because the reality of it is, righto, is mining gives so much. You know, we look at we look at what this this country's built on. It's built on BHP and Rio Tinto. And you start looking at, righto, the last downturn come, which was, what, five-plus years ago, and all you heard were these fucking dickheads upstairs that are fucking prime ministers or whatever. They were looking for sustainability and diversification around for mining. We've had that many fucking prime ministers in the meantime. There's <laughs> been no stability in the company, and just so happened the cycles come around again and mining, what's fucking mining here to save the day again? Yeah. Which is great, and they all want to get their grubby fucking royal hands and you get royalties, royalties, royalties. You know, like talk about Cobar, my hometown, as an example. Um, you know, I feel sorry for mining companies like BHP and Rio Tinto because they, they they try and provide for the communities they live in, whether people fucking want to be unionised or what. Now, these people are generally trying to look after society and, and provide a service and a commodity. But the reality of it is, I'll give an example. My hometown of Cobar punches out billions of dollars a year in revenue for royalties for, for Australia tax. We can't even get a fucking 130-kilometre pipeline from Ningen to Cobar. Like, seriously, like, we're in a situation where we probably had more value on a capacity compared to a whole whole city in some places around the country. And now, we've got to start talking about mining from a practical point of view. Like, one year, we've got to be, we've got to be efficient and we've got to improve production. You know, hence why I call my podcast Full Production. Now, great I'm all name, about it. Great name. I'm interrupting there. When I heard the name, I'm like, oh, my God, I love it. Love it. And I'm all, I'm all about improving productions on, on mine sites and efficiencies. But, you know, I want to talk about mining and why it's so good. One, one I know us and I, some, I talk with some key people in the mining game. We're, we're, mining companies like me, I'm keen for mining to have stability around it. I, I want it to be stable. And I want people to upskill and better themselves. I want people to love and enjoy mining. I'm sick of the shit people affecting our industry and how it feels. And and the reality of it is mining gives a lot. It gives you a go go and earn a hundred grand a year and work half a year. Fucking I dare you to go find a job because you won't find one. And the reality of it you did find one, you'd have to upskill yourself for four years and then you'd be doing Monday to Friday office hours anyway working for someone. So the reality of it is mining's great. If you want to be home every night, start looking at your skill set to do something different or push yourself out of your comfort zone. I'll say, hey, if I you know, work next two years and I save enough money, that'll give me a, a time to take six months off working part-time to do this. Why don't you, you know, want residential because you've got a young family? Move to a place like Cobar or Moranbar or, you know, like there's other people there, there that are doing the same thing. There's a, a community there to get involved with. And that's what it's all about. It's about community. What's what's hell for a person? It's called isolation. Well, they fucking put you in a cell and you talk to no one. Like we're in a world where you've got the flexibility to do whatever you want. I, I talked about it earlier. Four billion people a day live on less than five dollars a day. And here we are fucking whinging about two dollars that someone's getting down the road more. Like seriously, I'm blessed. My name's Peter and I'm white. You know, does that make sense? Like all of a sudden, we, we got we got to start being grateful for what we got. And I use this word grateful and appreciation because as soon as you live in that state of gratefulness, you appreciate everything more of life and, you, and you're not begrudged. And I'll give you an example. If you go to the gym once to build muscle or lose weight, you're not going to see the results. You have to do it consistently. So if you wake up every morning and ask this question, what am I grateful today? And you can be as simple as, Mate, I'm grateful to have a bed. I'm grateful to have a roof overhead. 
I'm grateful to have a hot shower because if you live in there, there's probably some bloke living in Africa who literally having a mud bath and doesn't have this. And you know, this is this is how fortunate I've got a job to go to. As soon as you start thinking about and, and doing that every day before your feet hit the floor, you, you change your perception on how lucky we've got it and how good we've got it. And then you then start looking at your life, like what are you doing? Like, you know, what are we giving you? What, what, what's your purpose? I've done this. I've broken myself down to a T. I've made myself so vulnerable that I didn't, I wanted, the reason why I did that because I wanted to see what my vulnerabilities are because vulnerabilities are a good thing because they're the things I need to work on to make stronger. And if you're prepared to ask questions and answer honestly, you'll end up getting the results that will, you know, ultimately give you a fulfilling, awesome life. Oh, my God. You're bringing a tear to my eye. <laughs> Sorry, mate. A bit, of, a bit of a bit of a tangent, but that, that's how that's how passionate I am. You know, I I feel like I I have the I have those sort of passions. I know my sister, hard hat mentor, has the passion, and she's at a more elite level than me. Definitely corporate. You know, like up with all the big boys and girls like you are, and um, to hear it coming from a bloke is the first time really. And to be sitting here having a beer, watching him wishing he had one and he's drinking water. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, silly bastard, eh? No, no. Yeah. You just got to get that. But yeah, it's funny. It's funny, you know, like even though that I'm up here dealing with the whoever, that's just part and parcel of being emotionally intelligent. You know, I've got the relatability to talk to someone like you and your audience, piece of piss, you know, well, like that's fucking who I am. Right, I'm sure I don't go in with this attitude talking to a mind manager or, or the corporate side. I, I, I clearly tell them how I can relate to the workers and the demographic and how I get the best out of them, how I get them to put their resume in for face and come and work for face and why they should work for face. But at the end of the day, um, sometimes it gets scary because it comes down to this is where the numbers come into play for people like me. And then obviously I go in and say, look, I'm happy to bring numbers to the table and try to influence for people to come and work at your mind side. But, you know, are you just going to go straight from your pocket? And I say it to the client or, you know, same with the worker. The worker rings me out and goes, what are you paying? I go, fuck off, I'm good. I'm paying you nothing because the reality of it is, you know, but the client, you know, end of the day, one, we've got to be efficient because we've got a really high labour rate and a high, high labour bill in Australia. I know, and we've got to be resourceful, of course, that. So you've got to have these open, transparent conversations and say, you know, happy to talk about it. Um, but also, you know, this is this is why I've got to talk about because this is what I bring to the table. I know what I bring. It's easy for me to sound like Anthony Mundine, and um, but you know, you can sound like Anthony Mundine if you can't knock a perfect chop, you're useless. And I guess it's easy to have the talk, but delivery is key. I can sit here and sound as awesome as I want to, but if I can't deliver, then I'm this is just another pocket of hot air they get around, and everybody knows a gunner. You're either a gunner or you're a doer. There's mm. plenty of gunners around. Yeah. And you're definitely a doer. That's for sure. That's for sure. Yeah, really. I, don't like, I don't like picking fights and losing. <laughs> <laughs> that comes from growing up in Cobar, huh? Mm, yeah, mate. Yeah. Um, so I've got a couple of things here that I would like to touch on because um, I'm uh, being aware of your time. But what do you think is the best way uh, for people who are desperate to get into the industry to do it now? I I have my ideas, but I'd love to hear it from you. Uh, it's a good question because 
you know, it's funny, you talk to clients and all they want is experience and all they want is skill. And I'm like, fuck, don't we all, mate? You know, end of the day, happy to, you know, lure them in. And sometimes you might get someone who's willing to jump for a few dollars or whatever. And I think, well, you know, actually, you probably only get this guy for a few dollars more. But you know, as soon as someone comes along and he doesn't like it, he's just going to mosey on off somewhere else. You know, it's that culture we've bred into the mining game that we, we need to, you know, instill that you know these supervisors or people that create environments are, are key to how people feel and, and, and do well in work environments and want to get up and wake up in the morning and want to come to work you know you know them people that you run into and you and you, and you, and you want to you, when you want to see them you know you're like fuck yeah I can't wait to see that bloke you never remember what they said but they just fucking make you feel good you know and um, that's they're the people we want in control of our environments now for people outside the industry that want to get in now a good time obviously we're going for an upswing i'm going to tell you personally what i look for i look for practical experience someone who's actually gone out of their fucking way to go get machinery experience on a road gone worked on a farm just gone not not working on a bar and hope you're going to meet some guy that's a fucking production superintendent we're not at that stage yet and i don't think we'll, we'll ever be like it was back in the boom boom times but mm. I think that I look for people that uh, have practical experience, practical labour, hard work experience, and are taking the time and energy to get their resume right. Um, you know, every person I employ, I, I, I make them, and every client I get, I make them listen to episode number 12 of Full Production, which is me, because they need to understand who I am first before they come and work for me. You know, and you get guys that say, oh, yeah, I've listened to it. You can tell straight away, I listen to him. So I ask a question, so he says, are you fucking lying to me? So the reality of it is, it's like, you know, our relations off to a great start, mate. And all of a sudden, they're like, oh, no, no. I said, well, go listen to it and then get back to me. And they're like, oh, shit, I'm so grateful I listened to that. And I was like, well, you know, fucking start, start, stop, stop trying to be validated. People sometimes, I swear, mate, they apply for jobs just to be wanted. They just want to be wanted. And the reality of it is, you know, there's, if, if you want to be wanted, I don't know, go get a girlfriend or a boyfriend or, you know, validate yourself in another way. But don't go go and apply for jobs and go, oh, that face company, they rang me and they wanted to give me a job and they wanted to pay this much. Like, seriously, there's way more to life than, than, than just applying for jobs and doing that shit. Now, for people that want to get into the industry, you know, take your opportunities when they present themselves. Don't be picky. If you're really keen, you will put yourself in, out of your comfort zone. You will go and live in somewhere like Moranbah. You'll go live in somewhere like Coba. You will do whatever. If you want it bad enough and you really want the good money and the good lifestyle and, and depending on your age and what you're going to do, you'll, one, you'll get the practical experience. Two, you'll put the energy and effort into your resume to, to show that. Three, you'll have some sort of concept of mining and that's whether it's YouTube or listen to my podcast or your podcast or whatever or meeting a mining person. And obviously, obviously four is, you know, when opportunity presents itself, get there and have a fucking go. The reality of it is, the hardest thing about mining is rocking up. If you rock up to work on time, uh, you're a winner. Because that's it. That's all it takes to rock it up and you be a good bloke and, 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 you know, have a crack at work and do your job. And it's not looking for a well-beater. Just looking for someone that's going to rock up, be reliable, get along with everybody on a personality front. You know, happy to embrace weirdnesses and, and literally go to work and do a job and, you know, and, and make the most of it. And it should go from there. But that's my own personal perception and what I look for. I look for people with practical experience. Don't be, don't be emailing me if you're a bar lady and saying, hey, I want a job mining. Mate, 
not going to be not going to be jumping out of his skin. If I had an opportunity to give you a, a exposure to heavy machinery, yeah, I'd give it to you. But it's probably not going to suit you anyway because it's not going to be a Mackay or it's not going to be where you want it. You know, everyone wants the seven and seven working at uh, you know I don't know what mine we got around there, Broad Meadows. You know, they all they all want the the creamy creamy cushy job, but. Mate, it doesn't come easy. If you like, you know, sure if you if you meet the right person and get the right bloke, look every now and again, that's what it's all about. It's not what you know as well sometimes, it's who you know. So, you know, be nice to everybody. Say good day. You never know who you're gonna meet that's gonna really add some value to your life. Uh, I could tell a few stories about that, but that's a whole other story. You know, I've done things in the past that I've um gone into a job and gone, shit, I fucking you know, literally punch that person out once. So that, that bloke's not going to give me the job, is he? Or he's not going to give me the contract. He's probably going to go around and badmouth me to everybody. And that's just that's just life. You know, I've got to yeah. accept the fact that I've made a mistake in the past. And um, yeah, that's that's my that's my personal take on it all, mate. And uh, very wise words, I think. And I I agree with most of it. I do. I would like to. Um, just mention if there's any bar ladies or bar men. <laughs> <laughs> I'm sure you've come, aclo- come across in your travels plenty of women that are out there. I know underground is there's less than there is in the open cut, and um, I have interviewed a couple on my on my podcast underground women. But uh, I'm just wondering on your experience and you see women in general interacting in male dominated industries, roles, you know, the cliche words that are thrown around all the time. What do you see in the women that make it work? Yeah. Now, so you got, so for me personally, female in the mining environment and females in general are a big thing. One, one of having six sisters, I don't, it's, it's a given. Uh, and, and mum is seven females directly in my life, let alone grandmas and all that sort of stuff. Also having my own daughter, um, Annabelle now, and all that sort of stuff. So I'm a massive advocate for females in any industry. And I, I don't think we should be looking at genders in, in, in particular. I think we should look at, at suitability of roles. And I had a lady on the podcast called Tanya Gilbert. She was actually a safety manager, a really interesting story. Actually came into mining and she's like... Um, sometimes you see females or that, that come in and they've got to put like a manly mask on to blend into the environment. And, you know, at the end of the day, that shouldn't be the way. And it's a, it's a, it's a thing we've got to change in the mining game. But so for females and interacting them in the workplace, yeah, I've got, I can't say I've ever seen a female underground coal mining. I know they're definitely in the surface coal mining and they're 110% definitely in underground metalliferous mining. Um, so they are around, and then from a machinery operating point of view, let alone the the management point of view, there's a, there's a few key people up that way. I talked about Tanya Gilbert, who's a who's a safety manager now, and um, you know I actually got another lady working with at the moment called Sue Ham, and she was a HR manager for a client who actually you know who were going for a redundancy thing, doing a whole different setup of their way they operate their show. But um, for me. Females, mate, no, male, female, I'm not really fast. As long as they can come to work and be reliable and do the job, and um, I don't think we should be being perceived as uh, a male-dominated industry anymore. We've we, got to remember we are blue-collar people. Is it, I don't know, you know, I, I know there's sites and it's, it's all getting very weird now, like around, you know, people's attitude. And sometimes it's a, probably a good thing people improve their attitude, you know. When a, when a female's present, you, you probably, you know, I know Tanya said it's probably saved a couple of arguments where 
men like to get their testosterone up and point a few fingers in meetings and they'll probably hold their tone because, you know, a, a lady's present. So I think we need to be need to be mindful of that. You know, males and females, mate, we're the yin and yang, you know, we're, we're the cat and dog. Mm. And um, I think there's, a, there's enough place in, in definitely in the mining game for females, mate. Yeah. The real miner reckons that, like, it gets pretty um... – and the other underground miners that I've interviewed as well, the, a lot of is very physical down there, um, very physical. And I I have come across some coal mining women definitely. And one one of them I interviewed was the real miners, or one of the elect um, was she electrical apprentice, and uh, that Saraya de Darth, uh, episode thirty three. I'll leave a link in the show notes, which can be found at madmumsy.com forward slash beers 51. And that is actually the episode that I entered into the Australian Podcast Awards last year and ended up a finalist, or this year, ended up a finalist because of that episode with her. And we we covered a lot of things, but um, there's different, I know there's different, uh, which I learned from other undergrounders that I've interviewed, different levels of what you have to do down there. And, um, yeah, so it, it's something to be aware of, but I know there's a lot of, lot of women, um, in the surface and, you know, I, my last article in shift minor was all about targets and, you know, I, I'm not a fan of targets. I'm, I'm with you. If someone can do the freaking job, they should be the one that hires, like hire someone who can do the job. And, um, there's a lot of minds and there's a lot of perception out there, especially with men in up here in our area around the, um, you have to have pussy and boobs to get a job, to get a start. <laughs> this is yeah. as, as a newbie. And they, uh, <laughs> they edited pussy out of my article. <laughs> he said, I understand what you're saying, but I don't think my readers will like that. So yeah. <laughs> they left boobs yeah. in there, but you know, at the crib heart, that's what the guys are saying in social media, you'll see a job and it's um, advertised for newbies and all the men will get, not all the men, but a lot of men will get on there. Uh, don't even bother mate. Don't even bother trying. If you haven't got a pussy and boobs, you ain't getting a job. And you know, so that makes it, discriminating against them you know like it's really awkward situation it's even in politics now it's, it's, this, 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 this is the problem it's the education around it and how we're relating to workers you know how we're relating to these guys that uh, are probably carrying attitude they shouldn't you know it's hard to you know, it's hard to make some people change their attitude especially when you know from zero to 18 you know or, or that's what you filtered in from your life you know if you grow mm. up with your parents being a certain way is a good chance you're going to be that way. And, you know, and I know this because I've broken myself right down. I've gone, right, these are things I don't like about me. Why do I have these attributes? And I started looking at mum and dad and the way I grew up. And I started to really break down them attributes that weren't good and why I wanted to change that belief. And anyone can change if they want to change it bad enough. But it's the same thing if I was a female in this game. I wouldn't be letting the, them sort of guys affect or deter you in any way at all. And I, I wouldn't be taking the shit personally. 
Um, and, and the reality of it is too, females, this is my personal opinion, females are good operators, you know, you just fucking look after your gear, you're nice, slow and steady. Yeah, like end of the day, it can be some frustration there with different hormones traveling around between a, an angry fucking excavator or a dragline operator or, you know, a, whatever situation might be. But I think the biggest thing I come down to, male or female, if they've got the skill set, they've got the attitude. And sometimes it, there's roles that I know females would struggle at. You know, I spoke to Husey, one of my mates who's a my manager, and he kicked off a show on Dubbo, an underground mine. And Husey was saying that he's really, I've never seen it before, but jumbo operators in, in the hard rock middle lift it's a really hard job. He's been to a couple of female operators that do it. He said they're not the fucking world's best jumbo operators, but mate, I'd love to see a female jumbo operator because I can't do it. And, and it's take me hat off to people that are willing to, you know, and that's why it's not a man's environment, it's in everyone's environment. Mm. And um, as soon as we accept it and get rid of the shit attitude, uh, you know, at the end of the day, they're not ever really worth talking about. I think the biggest education needs to be around um, how people can handle them situations more and more and not want to not voice up because they're going to be the dibber dobber or the person that, um, you know, that shit on someone or whatever. Mm. So we might start to wrap up. Let's do, I've got, I do have a couple of questions that I want to throw at you and I know you talk a lot. So let's try, like, see if you can come up with a couple of sentences for each of these. Okay, There's a challenge for you. Hey, let's get, let's get get it. Let's see how you go. Right. Um, How do you deal with night shift? Any sleeping tips? Yeah, it's a good question. Um, it's tough because we're obviously we're, we're nighttime sleepers by habit and by life. And um, I think having a dark room is one. I think personally, if I, if I was doing night shift again, I would have meditated a long time ago. Hey, blokes going to listen to me. Oh, fucking meditate. Rah, rah, rah. But there's a good app called Headspace I use. And look, it takes 10 minutes, mate. Put it in. Do a bit of a breathing exercise. It's amazing what it does from a clarity point of view in the top two inches. So, mate, there me tips. That's all I got. Drink plenty of water. Love it. And I actually created two meditations um, and one is called Get Shift Workers Back to Sleep. Yeah, cool. It's, it's, it's an important topic, you know, sleep. Yeah, sleeping, sleeping is critical. Sleeping is a critical part of how you function. You know, right now having two young kids, you you don't. It's, it's actually different different stages of sleep or different types of sleep. Which I'm I'm not going to go into it here, and I'm trying to wrap it up real quickly. Yeah. But, but there's some different stages of sleep that you can get into that really give you the best result, and and the quality of sleep is is key. You know, mm-hmm. uh, having two young kids now shit i really cherish my sleep and try and stick to a routine that i can um you know have a good sleep so i can be the best version of myself when i need to you know catch up with people like you or talking to workers or the like that's it you don't have to be on night shift to be struggling with sleeping that's for sure no that's right yeah okay next one what's your favorite roster and what rosters have you done so far um i'm an even time man I, you know i um oh. You know, I used to like the four and four, and I'll tell you why I liked the four and four was because back in the day, it was really good residential feel. You had a real good vibe of community around people, around towns like Cobar and Moranbar where they were still really residential. Mm. Um, but, you know, in saying that, you know, two weeks on, two weeks off, or seven and seven, uh, I don't know, mate, they're pretty good. Like, so it, it's... Each individual, me personally, on um, Monday to Friday, I mean, I, I like me Monday to Friday, my weekends where I have a game of footy or go to the footy or watch the footy. I hate missing out on shit. Um, that's me fear. 
missing out on stuff, you know. When you, I, remember, I remember I quit uh, one job. I was younger at Peak Gold Mines or a client of mine now. And uh, <laughs> I just, I, I, I finished night shift and it was New Year's New Year's Day. So the boys were out partying all night and I was like only 21. And I picked my mate up and he was still coming up to the pub. He was fucking blind. And he was telling me how good of a night he had. And I was thinking to myself... What the fuck am I doing on night shift, New Year's Eve, 21 years old? And I went home and I had a beer with Dad because Dad was on night shift at another one at the time. And I said, mate, I can't do this shit. And yeah, I quit, actually. Um, but I quit, actually quit a few months later. It was pretty funny how the situation came around. But at the end of the day, I hated missing out on things. I hate not being able to play footy or do things that I wanted to enjoy. That's me personally. I know other guys, I've got mates that love it, love the seven and seven to go fishing, to spend more time with their quality family, mm. all that, all you know, all that sort of stuff, mate. So, um, yeah, me personally, Monday to Friday, Monday to Thursday, whatever. And it is good that you have um, designed your life around that now. Yeah. yeah I, done I, your mining I, time, like... Uh, you still travel a lot and go away and stuff, don't you? Yeah, so so I got, I got a bit of a work life balance. Like you know, you got to realise what's important to me. What's important to me is my health, and the better version of my health, and the better person I can be, is the better person I can be for me, me daughter, and me, and me, and me, and me boy, and and Rachel. So like, we can actually, you know, create. Uh, you got, you got when when you're living life to your values, like you know, health and self improvement, your family, your relationships, um, your work fronts. If I'm living to all them values, mate. Life just feels really in tune. You know, you're not doing something out of resentment. Yeah, and now we better very hurry fun. up, or else you'll be in trouble from Rachel. <laughs> yeah, but very, very fortunate, very fortunate to have that clarity around life. And that's yeah. why I say to people, go and ask some questions. And not you reach yeah. out to me or whatever and happy to give advice on where you should go or what you should do because, um, you know, this is, the, this is the one life. You don't get a second one. I'm not that I'm aware of anyway. So I'm going gonna, I'm gonna, I'm gonna to make the most of the one I've got now. Yeah. Oh, good on you. Okay, what do you do with your old PPE? I don't keep it. <laughs> I, uh, I, I, I hand out a lot of PPE these days, but um, no, I probably, I um, we probably keep it. And, I, don't, I don't know. It depends. Like clothes wise, we probably keep clothes. It depends. Like it, um, not really something that I wear these days. I, I know we, I know we outlay a lot for our workers and, and put their name on it and stuff. And sometimes guys snatch it on us or don't leave, and there's still new clothes there, so we might unstitch the name and <laughs> stitch Leanne on there or whatever yeah. we might do. So, so the reality of it is. Um, I try to be pretty resourceful. I'm not one of them guys that has a vending machine that lets everybody take out a pair of new pair of glasses every day. Being a contractor, I try to be as resourceful as possible. And I'm not saying guys don't grab PPE, but I'm also saying don't go fucking throwing it down the fucking drive and, and walking home and go, I'm done, you know. Let's let's start looking after ourselves and, you know, looking after the gear we've got there. Yeah. What about personally as you've gone through your mining career, have you got a big pile of shirts or do you wear them fishing, gardening or do you just chuck them out give them to your mates hard hat mate i think i've donated to vinnie's you know i obviously got my own set of clothes that i wear to site now but it's been a while i don't get to site as much as i used to or like to i do still do to do some practical stuff like i might go underground for a tender visit or i might um you know, go to site for a visit and sometimes, you know, the, the guys on site like to build in work clothes. I'm probably a bit too shiny these days. Maybe I should yeah. roll around the car park before I walk shiny in next nuts. time. <laughs> um, but, yeah, 
Have you got any stories about your boots? Like, have you ever left them at home? You get pissed off taken off at the airport? Have you had any snakes inside them? What do you do with them? <laughs> I'll tell you a funny story about boots. One yeah. time, one time, um, you know, in the showers, I don't know how the female showers work. I'm only speaking from a male shower. You get naked. Well, I'm an open cup, so we don't have yeah. showers. Okay, so we, yeah. you know, in the, in the in the male showers, as far as I'm aware, it's always been open showers and you're naked, and whatever. And um, one time, I was brand new. I was my mate got me a job, and uh, you also never listened to this podcast, but you also got me the job. And what they did was, I was brand new to the crew, and they put me work boots. You had these baskets that come down, you unclipped it, and they drop down, and you got your clothes out. But I must have forgot my boots for some reason. And here, so here I was um, naked. And uh, I was like, oh, shit, left my gear up there. And I was going up there. And what they've actually done is they've cut me rope and shortened it. So all of a sudden, you know, I've got to actually stand up in front of the whole new crew trying to get my boots down. Oh, uh, that's hilarious. Yeah. Thanks for Welcome sharing that. Crew. That's cool. Yeah. Oh, is it funny you say that? This week, the real miner forgot to take his shorts to wear home. Um, yep. Like you have your shower and you wear your civvies home. He, yeah, and I get, oh, it took me a while to figure out. He goes, oh, lucky I wear boxes. So, yeah, uh, yeah. wear his boxer shorts out. Oh, thanks for that. And finally, last question, um, what is your special place when life turns to shit? How do you personally handle tough times and what are your strategies, Peter or Finn, personally, to hang in there? I uh, put my phone on flight mode, get off social media hang out with the people that are the most important, me, wife and kids, and just forget about have a laugh, have a giggle, put myself around good people and, um, you know, you know, the same thing, hang around shit people, you're likely to get shitty outcomes, you know, show me your friends and I'll show you your future. And um, for me personally, I like to, you know, put myself around some good people and, and my wife and kids take me to that happy place pretty quickly. Oh, that's awesome. So nice. Oh, thank you for sharing that. Phone on flight mode. That's the key, mate. That 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 is a good one, isn't it? In closing, do you have anything that you're really excited about right now that you want to share with us, mate? The, the amount of things I've got that I'm excited about. We, uh-huh. We'd need another podcast. Um, I, t- I tell you what, I am excited about the thing that I have going at the moment. I've just started my own community on Facebook called uh, Full Production. So if you know, you go to Face Contracting. That's the, that's obviously the website. But I've got a group called Full Production. Have you joined Full Production? The Absolutely, group hell yeah. Yeah, cool. So in, in that, it's it's usually in touch for me personally, and it's a community that I'm trying to create where it's all about what Face is up to, what the industry is up to, what jobs we got going. And if you want to be a dickhead in there, I'm just going to kick you out. It's, um, you know, it's pretty, it's pretty, um, you know, the, the good people analogy. I, you know, I only want good people in there and trying to be transparent. Don't really want too many whinges. Like, it's just an environment where we can come there, hang out. You can hear what faces up to, the things we're doing, all the podcasting, um, you know, all the job opportunities, all the projects. I do some, I do some Facebook lives in there. Um, I just personally, I'm really excited about it. I'm starting to meet some old friends and good people because on my personal Facebook account, I just, I get, like at the moment, I get inundated with messages and friend requests and I just don't get the time. So the the Facebook community um, for production really um, opens up a, a realm of being able to start a community of people that I want to, who want to hang around me and I want to hang around them. That's so good. I've started a biz with a minor podcast group, um, but it's very small and not much engagement, but it hasn't been too long. 
it's who I want to talk to and who who wants to talk mm. to me. Have you um, done any face, Facebook active. lives in there? You've yeah. Yeah. I've done, done done one the other day. I'm actually going to do one tomorrow. I want to want to show some listeners. Oh, to tomorrow or this week when I get time, I want to show some listeners some of the things we got going on with face. Yeah, and, awesome. um, probably something I need to do a bit more of. Um, I don't mean to be rude about the about the the group. I, I'm actually um, try to interact as much as I can, but um, as everyone knows, I'm, I'm a busy individual. And, um, but I am pretty active on it. That's one thing I am active on is is the full production community on Facebook. And it's growing really fast. I see every day a list of oh, welcome to the group, welcome to the group. And the good thing about groups is we, as the community start to interact with each other it's not all just about you and there'll be other people that someone will come in and ask a question and they'll know the answer and they'll answer it for you yeah yeah, yeah. so i was slowly going back through and filtering through some of the comments and conversations because um there's people on there too that used to work with you know yeah. it's like you run the people you have to work with and um you know it's it's yeah, it's good mate and they're helping other people out people post on the wall and telling what they're looking for and end of the day it's um once again it's the people that are, are looking for something if you're looking for an answer and you're prepared to ask the answer you'll, you'll go find it mate where your attention goes energy flows all right is there anything else you want to say to call this episode complete Nah, no i just encourage everybody to reach out and say good day and um maybe watch the face journey and see where i end up on i haven't got i have i have done a little bit of tendering for some coal mining work um but, um, yeah, it's, it's yet to be seen if it's going to come to life, mate. But I'll keep on knocking on the door and see what opportunities present itself, which might get me up your way one day, mate. But, yeah, no, not at all, mate. I just encourage anybody and everyone to have a listen to full production. Um, episode 12 gives you a better insight to who I am and what I'm about and face. But also, um, you know, just start keeping on talking positively about mining and, and enjoying what we do and, um you know, make our make our environments and our mining world better by being the better version of ourselves and carrying a good attitude into it. Gold, right there. Gold dripping from the ceiling. I knew it would be. Well, it's time to say goodbye now. We could chat all day and I've been known to. Thanks so much, Peter, for <laughs> coming on the episode. All the links we discuss can be found at madmumsy.com forward slash beers51. Thanks, Peter. Cheers. Thanks, mate. So there you go. What did you think of that chat with Peter Finn from Face Contracting and Full Production? I know it went on pretty long and I didn't want to edit too much of it out because there was gold dripping from the ceiling. Thanks so much for listening. All the links that we spoke about can be found at madmumsy.com forward slash beers 51. That's M-U-M-Z-I-E and the number 51. If you know anyone who is trying desperately to get a start in the mines and they just don't know what to do next or first and they've been on a Google trail, send them my way. That's my passion to help people see what it's really like and if they're even cut out to be a miner with my free courses over at mining.teachable.com. Thanks so much for listening. Until next week, stay safe, be real, be special and have fun. For we only live once. Cheers.